Hello, this is Letters from the Least, and it's a production of the Grexley Podcasting Network. It's written by Claire McCallan, produced by Kelsey Cronin, and edited by Laura Stone, with music generously provided by A. Charles. To support this podcast and others like it, join us at patreon.com slash Grexley. Love your dreams, work hard, stay focused. A lot can change in a year, I know this. But even if it doesn't, don't let that break it down. Your goals and your dreams is where the magic's found. Failure's something that we all must accept. Cause the only thing worse than death is regret, you dig? And welcome to episode seven. Our topic today is going to be creation. We have three poems on the topic of creation. The first two which were written pretty recently. They were written um, during quarantine. And so hopefully they will strike a chord for a lot of you. Let's jump right in it with the first poem and then we'll get into our explanations, okay? So poem one. I woke up and dragged the sand out of my eyes. My tongue was bloated with dehydration. I tried to wet it, but the effort only crunched desert silt between my teeth. The sensation sent shivers down my spine. I tried to stand but couldn't seem to get off my knees. The dryness had sunk into my skin and settled between my bones. How long have I been here? I whispered to the wind. Funny how time passes when it has no meaning. And then when it has no meaning, it means more than ever, the wind whispered back. She placed a cool palm on my cheek with a gentle push guided my attention to a flowing spring in the distance. Oasis, I choked through my hourglass throat. Oasis, she agreed. Or mirage. I thought I heard her laugh as she flew away. A fickle friend, that wind. Alone, I squinted at my supposed oasis. I released the tension around my eyes and dropped my focus to the sand I sat upon. The relief in the distance could be salvation or illusion. But the sand at my feet, the sand at my feet was real. And the fingers crackling on my hearth lap might be brittle, but they were real too. So I began to build sand castles. I dug and piled and shaped. I measured and messed and I tried again. Yet help did not come. So after three days, I laid in my fortress of grit and metal and allowed the desert to take me. And with a hoarse hallelujah, I shouted my last defiance of desert and praise of the God who made it. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out building kingdoms. So I wrote this um, kind of in the beginning of the quarantine months, probably end of March, beginning of April. Very dramatic, you know, but also you have to remember at the time, um, we didn't exactly know what was to come. And I was struggling with something I think a lot of artists were struggling with, which is why am I doing this if, you know, if the world is ending or if as a performing artist, like if I'm never going to get to perform again, like why am I trying to create more why am I trying to progress my craft and like is it silly and superfluous to be making art while the world seems to be ending 
and I found my answers in creation and in nature, which is something that I'm very passionate about. And I found my my healing and my purpose in that time by creating in the backyard of the cabin that I was staying in, in very, very, very rural Massachusetts. And, you know, how do I say this? When the world is on fire, as it has been recently, uh, creation persists and and nature nature doesn't quit beauty and i was inspired by that to continue to create in a way that honored and to the best of my ability mimicked nature and creation itself uh, and if we listen carefully the nature and the creation around us tells us a story of what it what it means to to be creative and to be true good and beautiful and it tells parable. And so with this poem, I wrote about um, that season of dryness and the desert. But the desert story can very quickly become a gospel story if we're willing to listen and to interpret uh, all of this beauty that God has put around us. So I was really grateful for creation and for nature at the beginning of quarantine because it helped me to understand a little bit more about if I'm feeling a season of dryness, let me let me think of the desert and how what are, what are these natural organic tools that I can bring into my art, um, whether for me as a writer through metaphor, but also if you're a visual artist or a multimedia artist, how can I physically use the tools that were organically given to me? How can I write a story with my visual art? Um, by using creation. So it gave me purpose and helped me to process what was happening around me. And for that, I am grateful. And I stayed in that same cabin in beautiful, beautiful, beautiful middle of nowhere, Massachusetts for some time and continued to create while I figured out, you know, we're all wondering how long is this pandemic going to last? What's the story? I took it kind of as a little bit of a creative hiatus because I didn't think it was going to be a particularly long-term thing. Here we are six months in. But uh, the second poem was written after a number of nice long trips uh, through the woods near my cabin. Poem two. And while I don't believe in Mother Nature, I do believe in the maternity of creation. Born from a spark in Iam's eyes, she became something out of nothing with a meteor shower cry. And on the fifth day, her galaxy started to burn and her womb started to churn. But the one who had made her told her to push. And even after all that pain, they whispered together, it is good. And ever since then, she's grown saints and sinners out of borrowed ribs and called them human. Every morning, her belly swells and swings in time with her laughter as she rises to discover what nativity the day brings. Whether fire or storm, she knows she'll be opened and torn and yet she blesses the name of the one who she came from. For what we call disaster, she calls birth. Cradling lava and wind against her breast, she sings in celebration of fresh earth. And she insists that she'll be better for the pain, and that we will too. 
She swears she'll be greener for the rain and deepened by oceans of gray and blue, grateful for the gift we do our best to emulate her femininity, but somehow always fall short of creation's divinity. <laughs> With a prayer and a shrug, we reconcile the difference between craftsman and creator, and we thank God that there is, he is, something greater. So that actually, I believe, was written on birthday um, during quarantine. And you know, there were, yeah, obviously, what's going on in the world right now is really, it's bad, it's tough, but I think most people can attest to some small, um, if not silver linings, but some ways that it's forced them to reevaluate and gain a fresh perspective. And hopefully we've all found a way to seek and find some goodness, truth, and beauty in all of this in a way that we might not have been able to if we had just continued about our regular lives. And for me, it definitely forced me to be outside a lot more. And I think that is the case for a lot of people. And so on this Earth Day during quarantine, I had been spending a ton of time outside. I was training for my marathon, doing a lot of really long, like 16-mile uh, trail runs. And so I was spending all this time in nature, and I really do find nature to be so feminine. Um, you know, she's so green, she's so fertile, and and so forgiving. There, there's just there's there is absolutely you know when we talk about the feminine genius, it always comes down to the womb and that empty space that women are created with inside of them, in which to to nurture and to grow something beautiful before putting something new into the world, always through pain, always through that tearing and cracking and bleeding the pain. And that is what we experience with nature. Like when she brings forth newness, whether it's just like a simple like cracking open of the dirt or something much more painful like a natural disaster, she brings forth newness through pain like a birth. Um, because obviously you and I aren't going to believe in mother nature, but I do really not want to lose that idea of the maternity of creation and yeah her her fertileness and, and the womb of creation as create as god designed it uh, so that is where that poem came from and for our third poem this is <laughs> this is a funny one because this is one that other people never really caught on to the other it's it's so funny the the poems that i write that people really like are never the poems that i write that i really like um, I wrote this one while in residency. I was the resident poet at the Grunewald Guild in Washington State in Leavenworth, maybe two hours outside of Seattle, in January and February of this year. So it was ridiculously cold. We're talking like three to five feet of snow on any given day. And I wrote this one day after a particularly funny and gratifying walk to my studio. So, poem three. Have mercy on us and on the whole world, I whispered into my mug. As I stepped into the cold steam from my coffee, whispered something indistinguishable back. Despite my prayer, there was no mercy to be found in Washington today. I'd actually laughed out loud when I saw the temperature this morning. One, <laughs> it was just one singular degree. 
I imagine how confused that degree must have been when he showed up for work this morning, only to find the office empty. Hello? You guys? Where is everybody? Is this another one of your dumb pranks? Come on, guys, this isn't funny. I wondered how long it had taken him to realize that everyone else had taken the day off. Regardless, I was proud of him for deciding to work today anyway, even if no one else would. <laughs> I had fallen into such glee over my degree workplace fantasy that I hadn't even realized how heavily my feet had been falling on my trek from the studio to the centrum. I quickly came to, though, when a huge drift of snow leapt off a tree and down the back of my jacket. <laughs> I screamed, at first in shock and then in delight. Had I done that? Were my steps powerful enough to shake the skin right off the forest's wooden bones? I tried again, this time stomping with purpose. Nay, with gusto. <laughs> Amazement turned to pride as snow rained down on me in response. The smile that followed threatened to tear my face in two. I wanted to shout, I am woman. I am strong. My steps carry weight. But instead... I settled for the even less dignified but arguably more enjoyable act of jumping up and down, up and down, up and down. The branches jumped up and down, dancing with me. And then, to my horror, I heard a roar behind me. What dark god had I awoken with my dancing? Was it that bad? I turned and faced my challenger and I burst into mortified giggles. It was a car. A big car, to be fair, but it was a car. In fact, to my surprise, it seemed that the road behind me was constant with traffic. To my even deeper surprise, a quick assessment yielded that the snow had been falling off the trees in response to the rumbling vehicles, and not my rendition of Stomp. For a moment, I pouted, and then I laughed, grateful. What a relief to know my own weakness. So like I said, that's one of my favorite pieces, um, probably that I've written in the last year, definitely one of my favorites that I wrote at Grunewald. It was like a, it was like fairyland, you know, it was like Narnia. It was incredible. Just this beautiful, beautiful winter wonderland that I got to immerse myself in and create. It's such a incredible opportunity. Um, if you're listening to this, if you are any kind of creative or artist, they have art residencies. They're obviously not open right now because of COVID. But I think if you look at this, you know, if, if you're listening to this anytime past, this is maybe too optimistic, let's say June of 2021, you should go apply for the residency because I think it'll be open. Maybe maybe you're listening to this in June of 2021 and you're laughing because we're like under martial law and everything's gone to heck. But I think you'll be good to apply for a residency. Their residencies are incredible and I can't say enough good things. But I loved living there. I loved working there. It was like living in Narnia. And there was something animate about creation around me it was not just a tree it was like a woodland nymph and this is maybe where my imagination takes me to some wild places but everything around me was was alive and 
ready to converse and ready to take on a role within my poetry. And it was incredible. And I think as creatives, when we accept that creation is not just a setting, but also a character within our story, there's so much more we can do. And I think that as a Christian creative, there's just really, really a lot of value in focusing on creation as a main character of our stories and our interactions with it and seeing it as not just, you know, where we happen to be, but the the specific gift that God has given us to work with and to work through. And it's not just a background. It's, I mean, it's everything, right? It's, it's his organic material. We look at everything that man has made. Like I can say this because I lived in New York long enough. Like we look at the Empire State Building, the Brooklyn Bridge, all of these things and everything that man has created can't even hold a candle to one like eh, lackluster mountain. You know, you can have the best skyscraper and the worst mountain and the mountain still wins every time. Uh, We can't compete. And any opportunity we get to glorify his creation through our crafts work, I think we should take it and go forth and glorify his work through our own. For our next poem, um, this is another one of those ones that was not not that successful with my audience, but I've always really delighted in it. It is a poem about the first morning glory, which is my lifelong favorite flower. I go nuts for morning glories. I can't walk down a sidewalk without stopping to admire them. And it is a creation love story. Here it goes. The first morning glory asked her mother where she came from, and this is what she was told. A thousand diamond rings shone from above as the heavens asked, Will you? I reached my left hand to the sky, feigning surprise. Yes, I will. The clouds wept in celebration while the fire popped hot champagne, announcing tonight we celebrate. The wind screamed in delight, tickled by the pine needles running across her belly. The pine needle fell on her back, exhausted from a day's work. The day's work laid down beside her, desperate for connection. And in an engagement as short as day to night, as long as east to west, time flew by. And the sacrament arrived. Guests signed the birch bark pages, leaving gifts of icicles and Cumulus tufts, which is to say, the gifts didn't last past the dancing. Which is to say, dancing was the gift. And when the sun hit her zenith, all the nymphs and druids, fawns and mountain lions, believers and skeptics came together at the thousand ring altar to witness our love. Creation wrapped a browning vine around my finger and whispered vows of fidelity, vows of eternity, vows of poetry. I, in turn, spit into the dirt and swallowed a bee. Me and you and (coughs) you and me, I choked. My insides began to swell as the guests held their breath. (gasps) I lurched. I leaned. I gagged. And from the depths of my womb came you, my little flower. Part me, part be, all creation. 
So that was maybe a little sillier than I usually go, but I wrote that after a wonderful weekend camping with my best friend Miriam, who I've talked to you guys about before, talk about her all the time. It's easy when you when you just have like two or three friends, they just keep coming up. Um, and we had this great weekend just up in the White Mountains camping. And well, not so great. We had to sleep in the car. It was really cold. We were underprepared, but just this beautiful weekend of just being within creation. And I wanted to kind of write an origin story for for a flower. So yeah, a love story between me and creation, just kind of fantasizing about where exactly morning glories might come from. And I guess while we're floating down that stream of silliness, we'll do one more personification poem with nature. I just, I have a very playful relationship with nature. I'm an only child. I grew up spending all my time outside by myself. So without sounding like too much of a little weirdo, like nature was my friend. <laughs> and that definitely uh, reflects itself in my work now as an adult, a young adult, um, a child in high heels. So here is, yeah, another personification poem written at the Grunewald Guild. I laughed back at the stream sputtering under my feet. She doubled over onto herself, taking a grip of the boulder splitting her side and tried to catch her breath. The more she laughed, the more I laughed too. Couldn't help it. Really couldn't. She sprayed a little when she laughed, and after a minute, I couldn't tell if the water in my eyes were tears of joys or just her spit. Oddly, though, I didn't mind. I pried her off the rock and brought her to shore to catch our breath. Silently, we sat and composed our waters. Once she was quiet, I shook my head at her and said what I had come to say in the first place. Why don't you know that you're a miracle? She just rolled her tidal waves towards the sky. One of these days, you're going to splash the back of your brain if you keep that up, I chided. I'm not a miracle, Claire, she whispered. I'm just a river. And how can I be a miracle when there are rivers twice my size and twice my speed rushing all over the world? Hell, there are oceans, and I think we both know I'm not an ocean. I didn't really know what to say to that, so we sat in silence for a while longer before I tried again. Well, river, there's rain too. Drinking water, icebergs, stuff like that. She looked at me like I was an idiot. And for a moment, I thought she might just give up on me and float away. So I tried again. River, what I'm saying is that miracles come in all forms, right? And whether it's wet or frozen or big or small, it's still a miracle, right? Because it gives life. That's, that's what makes something miraculous, I think. She splashed quietly against my shin before resting against my ankles. You think? I know so, I assured her with more confidence than I actually felt. If life's the biggest miracle of them all, then anything that gives life must be damn near a miracle itself. She gurgled quietly, rising to my knees in gratitude. Then friendship, too. Ain't that a miracle? I splashed her and splashed her again until she was giggling so hard she was spitting again. Yeah, River. Friendship's a miracle, too. Uh, so I wrote that, again, while I was at the Grunewald Guild and was just kind of processing my relationship with nature and creation around me while also processing perhaps not seeing myself as, as much of a 
gift and a miracle as I should have been, and also some friends who I did not feel were seeing themselves for the wonderful gifts and miracles and just manifestations of creation that they are as well. So that was how I processed it through that poem. So that is my commentary today on creation and poetry. Just always lead with your heart. That's lesson one. Because if you don't, you'll have nothing, baby. Lesson one. And I will finish, as I always do, with a recommendation. So what have I been watching? I have been watching the other day The Bee Movie. Again, another family-friendly one. I'm only ever going to give you family-friendly ones because that's all I watch. I just don't, I don't have the constitution for grown-up movies. The Bee Movie was hilarious like the peak of comedy i don't know the last time that i watched something and i was like oh my gosh that was so well written which we should have seen that coming because it was dreamworks and they are just such uninhibited weirdos in the best way possible that just the stuff they make you know it's just no one else would get away with it it's so incredible it's so hilarious it's self-aware can't say enough good things watch the b movie watch it with your family I'm scared of everything and it didn't scare me at all. Definitely watch it with your kids. Can't say enough good things. As far as reading, what have I been reading? I've been reading, not not a book per se, but I've been reading a lot of psych, Psychology Today articles on virtues and vices and gender because I've been doing a little research for my next project about whether or not we associate masculinity and femininity with different virtues and vices and why that is. So I've been doing a lot of research on psychology websites, which has been headache inducing, but gratifying. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode on creation. This is Letters from Least. My name is Claire McCallan, and I hope you have a great day and look forward to talking to you guys again soon. God bless. Mm-hmm.